Are you ready for the word? Okay, let's just make a, a confession. Say this is God's holy word. And it's inspired by the Spirit of God. As the Spirit moved upon the people that spoke and wrote these words, the Spirit of God will move upon me. I will hear, I will receive, and I will bear good fruit. In Jesus' name. Right. Matthew chapter 24 is what I want to focus on today. Now, we, we are in a series of the truth about the end times. Now, if you, if you haven't heard anything about what we preach about the end times, then and if, you are, if you have subscribed to the usual idea of, you know, a futuristic seven-year tribulation period that, that's reserved for the church in these times, um, then it will shock you and it will rattle you and it, you know, and it will offend you. <laughs> but we do not believe in the rapture and we do not believe that there's a seven-year period of tribulation coming. Okay? So we've looked in detail about uh, all those doctrines and, um, and the scripture, scripture upon scripture debunks that thing. It's a doctrine that's just over a hundred years old and the, the doctrine is fear-driven and it puts people back in bondage to the law. It puts pe people, it gives people a hope of a rebuilding of a temple for, where animal sacrifices would be, uh, would be offered for the sins of people where Jesus was the last sacrifice and with his once-for-all sacrifice of himself, he paid the full price for all sin for all people. Why would you want to rebuild the old? So um, Paul wrote and he says, if I rebuild the old, what, if I rebuild what I've torn down, I prove myself a transgressor. So if you want to rebuild the, the law, then you are basically swearing against the cross of Christ and saying you make the cross of no effect. Okay, so we will not trample the blood of Jesus going back to rebuild the temple where animal sacrifices would be our final hope. That's just ridiculous. Okay, so um, just a quick recap. Um, Daniel prophesied in Daniel chapter 9, and he was visited by the angel Gabriel while he was reading the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was speaking about the 70 years in captivity, uh, in which Daniel already was. Okay, and Jeremiah was maybe like 100 years or so before Daniel, and he was reading Jeremiah, and suddenly it opened up to him. And he was reading about the 70, and here comes Gabriel, and he speaks to him. And he says to him, listen, 70 weeks of years are, uh, are given, so that's 490 years. Now, 70 years is the pattern, 70 uninterrupted years is the pattern, so 70 weeks of years would be then what uh, Gabriel meant. It's an uninterrupted time of 70 times 7 years. Okay, so in that period, it was from, it, and it said it in Daniel chapter 9, from when um, King, King Antezarxis, Antezarxis, glad my name is Gareth, sent um, 
Ezra the priest back to rebuild the, the temple. And Nehemiah went back to, build, to rebuild the wall. So from the time they went back to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple, um, that would be the start of the period of 490 years. So it, it, uh, it was different periods in it. But at the end of the, the 69th week of years, so it, it, it was speak of um, seven weeks and then a middle part, what's it, 20-something weeks and then, then one week. Okay, so the last week of years, no, my, my whisker is in my car. Okay, anyway, so there was an earlier part, the middle part, and the last part was one week. Now, what the, what the people today want to do is they want to send this last week of years down, 2,000 years down, the, down history, and make, create a gap between week 69 and week 70. Now, it's all very clear that from week, week one <laughs> to <laughs> week 69, <clears throat> the Germans are coming. Okay, <laughs> from week one to, to, <laughs> to week 69. Um, it's an uninterrupted period of time. Now, week, week 69 ended when, um, when Jesus came and he was baptized by John the Baptist. When he put his feet in the Jordan River, week 69 ended, he was baptized by John the Baptist. And all righteousness was fulfilled, and it was the establishing of his public ministry. The Father spoke, Matthew chapter 3, Luke chapter 3, out of heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, okay? So he was publicly placed or revealed as the son. So when he put his feet back on the ground after being baptized, week uh, 70 began. Now week 70 was, uh, it's a week of years. That means it's speaking of a seven-year period. Now that seven-year period, that they want to send down the line. They say it's a seven-year period of tribulation. But the last week of years is not tribulation. The last week of years, the first three and a half years of the seven-year period is the public ministry of Jesus. And then in the midst of it, Messiah, the prince, would be cut off. And then three and a half years, and then it's the end of the prophecy. But just before the cross, we get Matthew chapter 23 and Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus prophesied the desolation as written in the end of the prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. Jesus prophesied the desolation of the city of Jerusalem and the temple. All right? So that means that that period of time is very important in the fulfillment of the Daniel 9 prophecy. Because Jesus prophesied the desolation. And Jesus said, before we're going to read the whole thing, it says in verse 34 in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this generation, the whole multitude of people living at this time, at the same time, in a definite given period, will not pass away till all these things taken together will, be, will take place. Now, some people say generation is a thousand years. Some people say generation is 40 years. But mostly the Bible refers to 40 years. And it must be 40 years because there was a pattern. And the pattern was 40 years in the desert because of unbelief. They did not enter into the promise. 
So through, they went through, Joshua and Caleb went and did enter into the promise. Neither Moses went in, nor all the murmurers went in. Okay? But they all died in the desert. They had to turn back 40 years until all of them died in the desert. And then, he didn't pluck no evil fast. Okay, and then, and then, and then um, Joshua and Caleb were the only ones of the spies that, that said yes. They led the people into the new generation, then into the promise. Okay? And all these supernatural signs and wonders happened. I mean, Jericho's walls fell. And it is all those things that happened. It's amazing stuff that happened. Okay? And God drove out the people out of the land and gave it to his people. So that's the pattern. So now, after the cross of Christ, exactly 40 years, and you find 70 AD, which is the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, the sanctuary, exactly in detail as it was prophesied in, in uh, Daniel Chapter 9. So now, um, there's, there's so many different opinions and views about this, but we've, we've looked at this exhaustively over the last couple of weeks. But you see, um, in the book of Daniel, you see the images of the beast. You see the, the, the different kinds of beasts. You see the, the, the lion, which was Babylon. And you see the uh, Greece, what was in the Medo-Persia, what was Alenavia? Uh, the the uh, bear, and there was Greece, which was the leopard, and then there was uh, the Romans, which was the beast that you know looks like nothing, you know. So um, so, but you get that same imagery in Revelation, where it speaks of one beast, and a part of it looks like a lion, and a part of it looks like. Um, a bear, and a part of it looks like a, a leopard, and a part of it looks like a, okay. And then you see in Revelation chapter 17, the false prophet, the prostitute or the harlot, riding the beast, and it's written Babylon the Great on her forehead. But Babylon the Great was the city that um, that. Jerusalem was, was sent to, was in captivity in, and they uh, emulated them. So they were sent there because of idolatry. And they came back doubly idolatrous. So they, they emulated Babylon and they wanted to be like Babylon. So they came back and they instituted the Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees. God never instituted it. They instituted the synagogues. God never instituted it. And it's all stuff that they learned from the Babylonians. And they brought it back. And the whole system of God was completely infiltrated by all this demonic stuff that they learned in Babylon. So they refused. They, they had so many warnings and they refused uh, to repent, and they didn't want to change it. So they, their idolatry was the actual temple. That was the idol they worshipped. And we looked at that last week. Okay, so, so the glistening temples, the gold. And that was two weeks ago. When did we speak about Solomon? Last week. Okay, so Solomon, people, people want the 666 to be something, you know, it's going to be a false prophet, and the false prophet's not mentioned there. It's going to be this dictator. Dictator is not mentioned there. 
but it says it's a man's number and wisdom is needed. And Solomon was a man and he was known for wisdom. And if you read in First Kings chapter 10, it says his salary was 666 talents of gold. And it's written exactly in the King James as in the Revelation uh, uh, 600, 3 score and 6. Okay? So it's a specific number. And it was about the gold. And we saw uh, uh, out of uh, Deuteronomy, uh, what was it? 17. Was it Deuteronomy 17? Where, uh, where God said, this is what the king, if you choose a king, it will be someone that I choose. And it mustn't be some foreigner. But the king shouldn't, there should be three points. The king shouldn't have many wives. <clears throat> Solomon. The king shouldn't gather all the gold. <clears throat> Solomon. And the king shouldn't have all, you know, all kinds of horses and stuff, especially from Egypt. Solomon's horses were all imported from Egypt. Okay, so, so here was the exact opposite of what God said a king should be. So Solomon, Solomon building the temple with David's gold became the idol. And he did idol worship. All his wives, exactly as Deuteronomy 17 said, turned his heart away from God. And he did idol worship and even witchcraft in levels underneath the temple. Okay? So people want to rebuild that thing, but it's a demonic system. So God said in 1 Kings chapter 9, he appeared to Solomon a second time. We said it last week that uh, God said, if you walk in my ways like your father David. David was after God's heart, but Solomon was after idols. Okay, so if you walk after my God, I establish my name forever. But if you don't, I will, I will destroy this temple. If you walk after me, my name will be established and my presence will be established forever in a forever kingdom in this temple, physical building. But if you can't, this temple will be destroyed. And the destruction of the temple was actually even prophesied in, in Deuteronomy chapter 32 as well. So you can read it. You sword against one another on the inside and they will be surrounded from the outside. So, so Deuteronomy chapter 32, the whole thing of the demise of, of Jerusalem and Israel in 70 AD was already spoken in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Okay. All right, so there's just no way that you can take the history, ignore the history, the beast with the ten horns, which is the ten, the ten Caesars up to uh, Vespasian, in the time of 70 AD that led the, the, uh, um, the army to destroy Jerusalem with a siege. Uh, this, the seven heads being the seven kings at the time, exactly mentioned in Luke chapter 3. You can't, you can't ignore those things and send it down the line and say it's Russia and it's China. and It's, it's absolute nonsense. It doesn't make sense. Okay? Russia didn't exist in that time. China didn't exist. United States didn't exist. The, some people even say the mark of the beast is the obelisk in Washington, D.C. No, you're missing it. It's a monument. That's a monument. Okay. So the United States wasn't part of the known world. They didn't know about it. There was... There was a native people living there in that time. They had nothing to do with this biblical prophecy. Okay. So if you get, if you get your time wrong, you're going to come up with all kinds of fantastical ideas. 
which is, has happened and it's unfortunately infiltrated the church. All right? But if we just take Scripture and compare it to Scripture, we will find from all angles, all the prophets testified about the burning down of the city. So also still in recapping Revelation chapter 17, speaking of uh, the harlot, the false prophet, Babylon the Great, Babylon was never burnt. Jerusalem was burnt. Ezekiel prophesied it about the harlotries of, of Jerusalem. I think it's Ezekiel 15 or 16. Jeremiah, the whole thing. You just read Jeremiah 3 and see how he, how he compares Israel and, and Jerusalem with a prostitute. I mean, just read the book of Nehemiah and see. Why would he have to marry a prostitute? Okay, so it's all speaking of the same stuff. So the prostitute spoken of in Revelation chapter 17 must be the city Jerusalem. Okay, it's the, it's the um, slave woman and her son mentioned in Galatians chapter 4. So, so we are not born of the natural, says Galatians chapter 4, the slave woman, but we are born of the supernatural the heavenly Jerusalem that is from above, the city coming down from heaven in Revelation, which is the Spirit of God coming down upon the church. All right, so let's just start reading. I'm going to start reading at the end of Matthew chapter 23 because we don't have time to look at the seven woes and the seven seals and the seven, seven and the seven and the seven, and it's right through Revelation. So we're just going to start at the end of Matthew chapter 23 and it says, okay. Let's start reading in verse 34. Now, it's Jesus. Jesus is, is uh, he's not holding back any punches against the Sadducees. He just proclaimed seven woes over them. So he says in verse 34, Because of this, take notice, I'm sending you prophets and wise men, interpreters and scribes, men learned in the Mosaic law and the prophets. Some of them you will kill, even crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues, your synagogues, and pursue and persecute from town to town. So that upon your heads may come all the blood of the righteous, those who correspond to the divine standard of righteousness, etc., etc. Okay. Um, shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel. You can take Hebrews chapter 12 there uh, as a reference, the blood of Abel speaking of vengeance, to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered in the sanctuary and the altar of the burnt offering. So then he says, Truly I declare to you, all these evil calamitous times will come upon this generation. Okay, so if a generation is 40 years, uh, does 70 AD fall within that period? Yes. If a generation is 1,000 years, does 70 AD fall within that period? Yes, still. Okay, if a generation is 40 years, are we that generation? No. If a generation is a thousand years, are we that generation? No. Right. So, verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, murdering the prophets and stoning those who are sent to you. How often would I have gathered your children together as a mother fowl gathers her brood under her wings, and you refused. King James says there, a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. It's that picture of the wings, you know? It's almost like Psalm 91 with the wings of the cherub. Okay. 
but you refused. You would not. The 38, behold, your house is forsaken and desolate, abandoned and left destitute of God's help. So that's the house of Israel. He's, he's prophesying the desolation of Jerusalem and the temple. Verse 39, okay, and also within a generation, this is just before the cross, within a generation, that's 70 AD. For I declare to you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus departed from the temple area and was going on his way when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to the buildings of the temple and point them out to him. But he answered them, do you see all these? Truly I tell you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So that's First Kings chapter 9 coming into fulfillment. Uh, Solomon turned away from the Lord and God said, I will destroy the temple. All right. Verse 3. While he was seated on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will this take place and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Okay, not the end of the earth. It's the end of a time period. Okay, so you can see we, a couple of weeks ago we spoke about the water and of the fire. Okay, so the end of the age, 2 Peter 3 says, the like in the days of Noah, the first world was destroyed by water and the second world and its elements are uh, reserved to be melted or destroyed with fire. And it's speaking of the city. Okay, so the first, the first um, world was destroyed by water. God swore that he will never do it again. And the second one was destroyed by fire, but that world was defined as a city as the pattern said, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. All right. So, um, so the city had to be destroyed with fire. The end of the age. So now we are in a time beyond that. So we don't await the destruction. We live in a time beyond the destruction that is prophesying here. Verse 4. Jesus answered them, Be careful that no one misleads you, deceiving you and leading you into error. For many will come on earth on the strength of my name, appropriating the name which belongs to me, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened or troubled, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. So, isn't it funny? Every time there's an earthquake, everyone, oh, it's the end time. God says, end or is a volcano, you know, or a war, or so, oh, it's the end time. No, God said it's not the end. If you see wars and rumors of wars, it's not the end. Verse 7, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in place after place. And this is but the beginning of the early pains of the birth banks of the intolerable anguish. Now, the intolerable anguish is what he's speaking about. It's something that started building up. And it started and it, it sparked the Jewish revolts in 66 AD, which led to the absolute destruction and the siege of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Okay, something that there was, the, the Jews persecuted the church. And then in 66 AD, Nero started persecuting the church, lighting Christians in his garden for light at night. Okay, and in 70 AD, after Nero, I mean, the, Nero was famous for the fire in Rome, right? So, so 
the fire was there, and Nero wanted to blame the Christians for the fire. And that's why the Christian persecution broke out, because he wanted them to take the blame for it, because politically he couldn't afford to take the blame for it. Okay, so that's why all the Christians got persecuted in Rome. All right. So, um, so when he died, Vespasian took his place, and Vespasian's son Titus led the charge to bring the city of Jerusalem to an end. Okay. All this is but the beginning of the early pains of the birth pangs of the intolerable anguish. But they will hand you over to suffer affliction and tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and repelled and will begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey and will stumble and fall away and betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive and lead many into error. And the love of the great body of people will grow cold because of the multiplied lawlessness and iniquity. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Okay, so all these things had to happen. The, the nations had to, had to stir up against one another. And it, it had to happen this way to, to destroy Jerusalem, to, to take the old out of the way completely, to take the, the city, the temple, all the sacrifices, the oblations and sacrifices that must, that must cease according to Daniel chapter 9. It all had to take place. And God used that four beasts which became one beast with four attributes in Revelation to do this. So that's why the saints had to endure till the end of it. Okay, So it's not something special. God wants you to become more holy through suffering. God is just protecting the saints in all this because because. All the, or he's the believers in all of this, because all the, the um, these things had to happen to remove the old so that the new could be fully established. So uh, I've mentioned this many times also, but Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8 says, uh, the Holy Spirit points out that the way into the true Holy of Holies is not yet open, while the... Uh, Old tabernacle remains a recognized institution is still standing. So the more you look to the old and the rituals of the old and the different meats and drinks and all the different offerings and you look to you can't eat meat and you have to stop work on a Friday night and oi, 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 and all those. The more you look at that, the less you will enter into the true Holy of Holies. Okay, but still he says, if you look to the old and want to revive and resurrect the old, uh, the, the new cannot be established in your life. Okay. In the same way, there was this time period of 40 years where people were given time to repent. It's a time period that God ordained that the, all the people had time to repent until the, the destruction of it, but they refused it. So uh, when that time period ended, it was simply destroyed. And those among them who believed were given a warning beforehand and they could flee to the mountains. And we'll look at this a little bit later. Okay. The sacrifices had to stop. The temple had to be destroyed. The city had to be burned down for the old to be completely removed and for the kingdom of God to be completely established. It already came at the cross. But the old had to be completely removed for it to be God's only thing. So there was this overlapping period where the old and the new overlapped. And that was why there was so much tension between the old and the new. Okay? Right, so let's just keep on reading. He says, 
uh, he who endures to the end will be saved. And this good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. The end is 70 AD, and all the nations were the known world around the Mediterranean. And Paul said, I have kept my, uh, my vision. I've, I've done what I needed to do. You know, so uh, he's, he's fulfilled what he was given. So he already preached the gospel to all the nations. And Paul said it, and Paul died in the Christian persecution period somewhere in Nero's time, which was before this. So the gospel reached the whole known world before the end, which is 70 AD. I hope it makes sense. Okay. So when you see the appalling sacrilege, sacrilege the abomination that astonishes and makes desolate, upon... Uh, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, that's Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, <clears throat> standing in the holy place, let the reader take notice and ponder and consider and heed. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember exactly when this was, we spoke about it, they fled, they saw the first siege coming, um, and then with no reason they re retracted. So they, they remembered the warning, and they fled to the town called Pella. Not one Christian died in the second siege which destroyed Jerusalem. Isn't God faithful? Okay? So all those who had heeded what Jesus said were saved. Okay. He says, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is in the housetop not come down or go into the house to take anything. So it's like, you know, when your husband's down, what do you take? You know? You, you take your life and you run, you know. Or when there's a plane crash, you don't try to get out all your bags and stuff. You just jump out, you know. Let him who is on the housetop not come down and go into the house to take anything. And let him who is in the field not turn back to get his overcoat. And alas for the women who are pregnant and for those who have nursing babies in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation and oppression, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be again. It's already done. There will never be a great tribulation like there was in Daniel, prophesied in Daniel like there was in Jerusalem 70 AD. Okay. And if those days had not been shortened, no human being would endure and survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. So it was shortened. That's, this is what I see in this sentence. is The days were shortened. The, the siege started, but it was shortened. And it stopped so that they could flee. And then the siege began again. Okay, under, under Titus of Rome, which is a different guy. Than, I think the first one was... Gallus, if I remember correctly, I might be wrong. Okay. If anyone says to you then, behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise, and they will show great signs and wonders as to deceive and lead astray, if possible, even the elect ones. See, I have warned you beforehand. Can you, can you just at least see that this is playing out in a time which is not to come, but a time which is already fulfilled Okay. So if they say to you, behold, here is in the wilderness, he is in the wilderness, uh, do not go out there. 
If they tell you, behold, he is in the secret places or in their rooms, do not believe it. For just as the lightning flashes from the east and shines, uh, is see, uh, and shines and is seen from far, as far as the west will be the coming of the Son of Man. That word coming or perusia is, is not the coming of the Lord of glory. This is still part of the first coming, the coming of the Son of Man. He came as a thief in the night. He already came as a thief in the night. But he will be coming with a loud call and a trumpet call. This is not that. This is still the coming of the Son of Man, not the Lord of glory. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28 says, When he comes again, he will, he will not come to deal with sin again, to have anything to do with sin, but to bring to full salvation all those who are eagerly expecting it. And this is not part of that. That is that's still coming. Hebrews 9.28 is still coming. He will bring to full salvation those who are eagerly expecting him. The first coming was from, well, according to Daniel, from the last week of years until the destruction of Jerusalem. Okay? But if you want to, you can take it from Jesus' birth. Okay? To to the destruction of Jerusalem. So why the destruction of Jerusalem? Because it was within that generation, and in Matthew 23 and 24, Jesus said, within this generation, the word spoken within that time period came to pass. It's part of that coming. It's not something, it's not Jesus coming, taking the church, flying away, then he comes again, and then he goes, and then he comes again. That's, that's fiction. That's science fiction. Okay? There's another coming. And the, the coming that is still coming is there will be a resurrection from the dead. We've spoken about that. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And the resurrection of the dead will mark the second coming. Okay? The coming as the Lord of glory. They will be raised. We will not proceed ahead of them. But they will be raised first. And then... Uh, we will be changed and uh, we will, together, we will caught, be caught up with them in the cloud or eagerly apprehended, seized with the full salvation that he's bringing. And if we have received this, uh, once we have received this full salvation, being caught up with that or apprehended, the word, uh, uh, the Greek word, what's the word? means a seizing. It, does, it doesn't mean raptured away. It doesn't denote any change of place. It just says you are apprehended. Okay? So you are seized by this. You are eagerly awaiting him, and he's bringing full salvation. You are grabbing a hold of him, and he's grabbing a hold of you, like in Philippians chapter 3. Okay? All right. So, so there will be a re resurrection of the dead. So that still must happen. Some people argue that that has already happened. Can't be because where's the dead? They're still in the graves. It means it's still coming. Okay. So some people even say 70 AD is the second coming. No, that's an error. And Paul dealt with that saying that Philetus and Hermanus erred and made people's faith shipwreck by arguing that the second coming is, uh, that the resurrection of the dead is already taking place. And we know the second coming is coincidental with the, the raising of the dead. Okay, 
the resurrection, last day of resurrection, as Jesus mentioned in John chapter 6, and as Martha mentioned in John chapter 11. Okay, so let's just get back to the, to the story. Okay, so he says, If those days had not been shortened, no human being would endure and survive. But for the sake of the elect, God's chosen ones, those days will be shortened. Okay, so we know that's them fleeing to Pella. Verse 23. If anyone says to you then, behold, here is the Christ, there is the Christ, for the false Christ have arisen. Okay. Oh, we, so, sorry, we were in verse 27. I usually lose my place, so... Forgive me. Okay, verse 28. Wherever there is a fallen body, the vultures will flock together. Immediately, after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will uh, not shed its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So there's this shaking as said in Hebrews chapter 12 and in Haggai chapter 2. Okay. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and beat their breasts and lament their anguish, for they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So this coming, I've explained it, it's not the coming of, of, um, it's the, coming of the Son of Man. It's not the coming to bring full salvation. Okay. Then he says, verse 31, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds. Okay, so I, I'm not going to go into it, but there's four horses, and there's four winds, and, and, there's, and it's four beasts, and it speaks of the nations of the earth. Okay, it speaks of the natural, those nations. Okay, now, verse 32, from the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as, as the young shoots become soft and tender, it puts out its leaves. You know of a surety that summer is near. So also when you see these signs all taken together coming to pass, you may know of a surety that he is near at the very door. So this coming refers specifically to the day of wrath, the day of, of the judgment of Israel of Jerusalem. Okay, verse 34. Truly I tell you, this generation, the whole multitude of people living at the same time in a definite given period, will not pass away till all these things taken together will take place. Just that there is enough not to send this piece of scripture down these three 2,000 years. Sky and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that exact day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Okay, remember, uh, first the water, then the fire. So as the days of water, so the days of fire. Just as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, being marrying, and women being given in marriage until the very day when Noah went into the dark. And they did not know or understand until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. At that time, two men will be in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Okay, how many stories have you heard about that? You know, remember uh, the Left Behind series of 
Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins, you know. And then it's, you know, this pilot, and, you know, suddenly the pilot is gone now, the plane crashes because there's no pilot anymore, you know. And you drive and, you know, can't drive because some raptured guy's underpants falls on your windscreen or something, you know. So, so um, and that's not how it works, you know. As it was in Noah, what happened with Noah? Who remained and who was taken? The righteous remained. Who was taken? The unrighteous. So who said the righteous are supposed to be taken? But all want to go one day into heaven, you know, in the sweet by and by. Prophet Gubb is always saying this, and when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that'll be when we all see Jesus. Okay, listen, if you die, you go to heaven. Why? Because you're already there. You're already with him because your spirit is in Christ and he's there. Heaven is a realm, and it's a higher realm around us. It's not a planet beyond Pluto. So you don't get on a cloud and go to planet heaven. So it's not a physical thing. It's a higher realm. The cloud of witnesses, remember the session about the cloud of witnesses. So a cloud received Jesus out of their sight. And two men were standing there. Okay, Hebrews 12, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth. Let us... Run this race with steady and active persistence, strong, you know, with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Okay, so the cloud of witnesses, according to Hebrews chapter 12, is everyone who died having lived by faith. Okay, so a lot of them are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And then uh, the writer of Hebrews, whoever that is, said, we don't even have time to look at the prophets and, and many others. So it's not an exhaustive list. So if someone believes and died, they go into that cloud. So First Thessalonians 4, okay? Uh, he comes with them in the cloud, and they will be raised, and we will be changed. So them in the cloud is speaking to a specific group of people. It's not speaking of a mode of transport. It's not an XLE cloud and a GTI cloud. It's a cloud that appears as the cloud appeared on the mountain when Moses went and got the law. As the cloud appeared on the mountain at the Mount of Transfiguration and Moses and Elijah stood there and spoke with Jesus and Peter just wanted to build them huts. Okay? Cloud. Jesus at his ascension. A cloud came and received him out of their sight. And two men standing there. It might have been Moses and Elijah. Not two angels. Why are you gazing so intently into heaven? It never mentioned the sky. This Jesus will come back the same way you saw him go. How did he go? From the seen to the unseen into the cloud. How will it come back? From the unseen to the seen into the cloud. Uh, out of the cloud. The order is just reversed. Okay. Right. So, just as 
I got on a rabbit trail again. Verse 38, just as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, men marrying and women being given into marriage until the very day when Moses went in, oh, Moses, Noah went into the ark. And they did not know or understand until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. That time two will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one will be left. Watch therefore, give strict attention, be cautious and active. For you do not know in what kind of day, whether near or remote, your Lord is coming. All right. So we are eagerly waiting. We are not fearfully waiting. They waited because something bad was going to happen and they had to flee. We are waiting for the Lord to come and bring us to full salvation. It's a totally different posture. It's a totally different attitude of heart. Okay? So it's not this walking on eggshells, otherwise you miss the rapture type deal. I mean, how many people, you know, you know descended into... Chaotic anxiety because of these teachings. So, how many times have I heard this? You know, a little girl coming into the living room and the family is gone and she thought she was left behind. They were all raptured. And she freaked out. You know, how many times, did, how many stories have you heard things like that happening? Even my mother had stories like that, you know. Uh, so, fearful things, you know. I remember Pastor Annelies van Rensburg told this exactly that she came into, into the, the living room and her whole family was gone, but they just stepped out to do something. You know, and she thought she just, just she had so much anxiety because she thought she was left behind and they were taken in the rapture. Okay. Listen, God will not forget you. Because you were in another room or something. <laughs> Come on, man. A little girl being left. She wasn't good enough. How many times have you heard, oh, this date is going to be the rapture. And then they sell 70,000 million books because everyone is scared. And then now it's this guy's book. And now it's that guy's book. So some years ago, um, am I going to mention his name? Pastor John Hagee from the United States put this program on God TV. <laughs> Predated it, this date that he said is going to be the rapture. And he said, yes, now if you see this, it means you've been left behind. So now you must do exactly what I say. What I say, and you went off the screen. <laughs> how many predictions have you seen? That was how many prophecies were, were wrong? Because they're in the wrong time with the whole doctrine. Bless you, prof, uh, Pastor John Aggie. I know he preaches awesome other stuff, and he's a blessing in other stuff. But I do not subscribe to your view of the end times. Okay. But I know there's some good stuff in his life also. Okay? So um, what I'm saying is that doctrine is a fear-driven doctrine. It's a doctrine of demons, and it does not come from God. It does not speak out of the Scriptures. So we need to make a decision. Are we going to keep on living in fear because of the old? Or, or are we going to actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ where we live in the kingdom that he paid for with his own blood? 
are we going to uh, let God have and do in our lives what He paid for? If I'm disobedient, it's Jesus not getting what He died for. It's not me not getting what I believed for. It's Jesus not getting what He died for. Somewhere we need to surrender so that the fruit of it can come. God is waiting for, for a generation that would simply believe. God wants to pour out His Spirit. God wants to fill the earth with the knowledge of His glory. So are we going to be that generation or does He have to wait for another one? Okay. Another rabbit trail. So He says, But understand this. Had the householder known in what part of the night whether in night or, or a morning watch uh, the thief was coming, he would have watched and would not have allowed his house to be undermined and broken into. You also must be ready, therefore, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect him. So he came, and they didn't expect him, and they didn't recognize him, and therefore they got destroyed. But those who did see, because they heeded the warning of Jesus in this very chapter, they fled, and none of them perished. Verse 25. Who then is the faithful, thoughtful, and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of the household to give to the others the food and supplies at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom, when his master comes, he will find so doing. So that means give the right food at the proper time. Give the right word at the proper time so that people will believe and escape. I solemnly declare to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is delayed and is going to be gone a long time and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with, uh, with a drunken. Okay, so remember uh, the, uh, the Pharisees have been described to be blood on the, or the, the harlot in Revelation 17, blood on the, drunk on the bloods of, of, of the saints, of the martyrs. Okay, eating and drinking. If you read Matthew chapter 23, Jerusalem murdering the prophets and everyone that I sent to you, okay? Uh, so he says, I will punish him, cut him up by scourging, and put him with the pretenders, the hypocrites. Okay, woe unto you, hypocrites. <laughs> okay, there will be weeping and a grinding of teeth. Okay, so that's Matthew chapter 24. Nothing of this speaks of anything in our time. So is this, is this a harsh word? Well, if you are the one it's directed to, yes. Is it just for sure? It's a word that they had 40 years of comprehending and believing and turning from their wicked ways. Okay? But instead of listening, they persecuted those who came to warn them. Stephen said the same thing. The stoning of Stephen marked the end of the last week of years prophesied by Daniel. So the last week started with Jesus being baptized. The middle of it was the crucifixion. So Jesus worked the miracles in Jerusalem. Then Jesus worked the miracles in Jerusalem through the hands of the apostles for the next three and a half years after the crucifixion and then the stoning of Stephen. Okay? So, which also then led to persecution by the Jews, the Jewish wars, uprising, and the destruction of them by 
by the Romans. All right. So what I want to say is this. Unpack your bags. <laughs> Unpack your bags. There's not going to be at any moment now rapture of the church. It's a false doctrine. It's not going to happen. So what is on God's agenda? What does He want to do? This, well, definitely not a seven-year period of tribulation. Definitely not a dictator standing up as a false prophet and a world ruler and a you know one-world government and I wonder where the people get this stuff. It's a it's almost like the defeated dragon wants a last hurrah trying to resurrect this fallen temple system, keeping people in bondage through the hope of it. God wants to fill this earth with His glory. God, this is some prophecy that still needs to be fulfilled. First thing is, as sure as I live and the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth like the waters covers the sea. Okay, So the earth, will it be the same as it is now? It will be changed because there's a new creation. Behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, the old one will be rolled up like a garment. So it's all spiritual visions. There's a restoration of the earth on the way. And that happens through the glory. All right? So let's just read, in closing, Romans chapter 8. And hopefully, we will just... Get all our ducks in a row and stop fearing all this nonsense and buy the next book of a blood moon or a whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay, Romans 8 says, Yeah, man, there's so many scriptures in the New Testament that testifies of the tribulation being in this time. Go through the books and you see, like First Thessalonians 3 verse 4 says, uh, we've spoken beforehand about tribulations as it has now occurred. Second Thessalonians 1 says exactly the same thing. The tribulation that was supposed to go, they are in Revelation chapter 1, uh, John the Apostle saying, as he wrote, he says, I, your brother in tribulation. They were in it. Okay? All right, so he says, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. But what of that? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, he was in the tribulation, this present life, are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us and for us and conferred in us. So what, what, what follows the suffering? Glory. Okay. So Second Peter 1 comes to mind. It says, The prophets searched diligently 
to find out to whom it was speaking when they were prophesying about the sufferings of the Christ and the glory that should follow. So whose suffering is followed by glory? Christ's suffering. That means the cross, the only legal thing in the kingdom of God following the sufferings of Christ on the cross is the glory. So the king of glory coming in his glory. Not suffering. Suffering is decreed for that which was fading and passing away. John 3 was 13, the last prophet of the old. John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. Okay, so the old needed to be removed. Let me just not get into that again. Okay, I consider that the sufferings of this present time is not worth being compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us and in us and for us. For even the whole creation, all nature. Okay, so we see nature and we see bondage and decay. And we see all these species dying out because of human activity. But we also see, just in normal creation, if you go to the Kruger Park, who's been there? Okay. Have you seen a lion eat another animal? <laughs> You're lucky if you have. Okay. Or a... Or a hyena or something. You won't see a zebra eating another animal. Okay, so, so I saw a lion catch an impala some years ago, right in front of us. I thought, wow, it's so great to see this. <laughs> but the poor impala. <laughs> but Isaiah prophesied and he said, lion and lamb will eat grass together, lie next to one another. Okay, so it must be a new creation. So he says, Okay. I'm full of rabbit trails today. <laughs> he says, okay, for the whole creation, all nature waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known. Waits for the revealing and the disclosing of their sonship. So creation is waiting. This is my son. In whom I am well pleased for the placing of, of the son. So we know one son was brought to full maturity, and that's Jesus. The rest of us are still on our way. The younger brothers of Jesus. <laughs> okay? Hebrews chapter 2, if you don't believe me. Okay. For the creation was subjected to frailty, to futility, condemned to frustration. Not because of some intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who so subjected it with the hope that nature itself will be set free from bondage to decay and corruption and gain an entrance into the glorious freedom of God's children. We know that the whole creation of irrational creatures has been moaning together in pains of labor until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves too, who have and enjoy the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, foretaste of the blissful things to come, groan inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies from sensuality and the grave, which will reveal our adoption as manifested, a manifestation as God's sons. You can look to uh, Philippians chapter uh, 3, the last two verses for that. He will change our vile body into the body of His glory by the same power which He used to subject everything to Himself. Okay, so when the sons of God, 
are manifested, it will set free creation from frailty. So you will see the new, the new heaven and new earth manifest as the new creation man manifests. Because he said right from the beginning, let us make man and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creeping thing on the face of the earth. So you will set free fallen creation if you step into who you are in Christ. So the church needs to get our attention away from escaping all this with flight rapture and start ruling over this with the, the authority of the kingdom of God that was already established at the cross. All right. So uh, there's a lot to say about that, but I'm not going to now. All I just wanted to indicate today Matthew chapter 23 and 24 is already fulfilled. It's all over. You're not awaiting a seven-year period of tribulation in the future. It came, it went, not a seven-year period because they got their scriptures wrong. There was a great tribulation, such as was never before and such as never will be after. And that tribulation ended in 70 AD. All right. It's good news. Why do we keep on hammering about this? Because it's keeping people in bondage. It's keeping people to not recognize who they are and manifest and bring to the earth what they were called to bring to this earth. Right. You have a calling. There's something that God wants to release through you that He will not release through anyone else but only through you. So it's time for us to step up into maturity and find out who we are and be manifested as sons of, sons of God. All right. Amen. All right. So, I just want to pray for us. And uh, so, I, I just believe there's just good stuff coming. There's just glory coming. There's just healing the sick and raising the dead coming. Not suffering. <laughs> Not bad stuff. Man, only light. Light will drive out all the darkness. All right. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that every scripture breathed upon by the Spirit of God. Every scripture declares the scripture. We thank you, Lord, that your word will never fail. Lord, I pray that you open up our eyes so that we will not be deceived by doctrines of men, so that we will not be deceived by doctrines of men. <laughs> so we pray, Lord Jesus, uh, uh, lead us into your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.